This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. February 2nd marks World Wetlands Day. And though they are called bogs, swamps, marshes and a host of rather unappealing names, wetlands are the most productive ecosystems in the world and exist in every country and in every climatic zone. So the theme for this year's World Wetlands Day is it's time for wetlands restoration, which highlights the urgent need to prioritise wetland restoration, including mangroves, peatlands, floodplains and so much more. So today on the show, I'm joined by Dr. Ahmad Aldri Ahmed. He's a Senior Lecturer and Research Fellow at the Institute for Environment and Development, Lestari, at UKM. And he is also the Coordinator of the Malaysian Mangrove Research Alliance and Network, or My Mangrove. He's basically an all-round mangrove enthusiast and my go-to guy for all things wetlands and mangrove-related. He joins me today to share more. Welcome, Aldri. How are you today? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me, um, uh, Juliet. I'm good. How are you? Very well. Thank you. So nice to have you back in the studio with me today. You know, after it's been three years since we've seen each other. Thank you for coming in today. So yes, it is World Wetlands Day. And as I mentioned, you know, you are my go-to guy for everything to do with wetlands and the mangroves. Uh, talk to me a little bit, you know, before we get to wetlands, you know, uh, you, of course, all around a mangrove enthusiast. What, what has been keeping you busy? A lot, right? A lot, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually in the... In the field now, actually. So mm-hmm. I just returned to attend this uh, interview for Very you. Very lucky, thank um, you. Juliet, no, actually, I have this one uh, day uh, break before continuing our tour around Peninsula Malaysia to visit all mangrove planting sites. So uh, the government has uh, run this um, planting activity on, on mangrove since the tsunami, after the tsunami, since 2005. So me and my team are now um, undertaking this assessment to see how successful Mm-hmm. Um, and how maybe what's the rate of failures or, or successes uh, in this uh, activity, and we would like to recommend some maybe uh, improvement to to the to the weaknesses and perhaps continue with the successes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I've been you know following your your um, visits and your trips you know on your Facebook and uh, no need to say I'm very jealous la, But I mean there's been a lot of positive uh, outcomes as well, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. Yeah, a lot lot to be learned still, right? Mm-hmm. Even even for myself. Every site I, I go to, I will find something new. Before. I will observe something new. In fact, I, I enrich my own knowledge on, on mangroves. If it's not the ecology, it could be the human part of mangroves and other things like teaching new students or, or getting people, you know, you say jealous, but actually <laughs> I'm trying to like recruit more mangrovers yeah, to yep, join yep. our group and to actually just... Get to know mangroves and fall in love with mangroves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I told you it was because of you, you know, that I went to Kuala Slango, oh. you know, and I started visiting other mangroves. And I'm like, ha, huh, this is what Dr. Aldri was talking about. Good so to know. There's one, la, there's one converted person here. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. <laughs> but let's talk a little bit about wetlands. So, of course, you know, mangroves are wetlands as well. But what are actually defined as wetlands? So, basically, uh, wetlands are from the terms itself, right? I mean, from wetland itself, there are two major keywords that clearly uh, defined by this uh, I mean uh, term yeah, wetland so first land you need land mm-hmm. I mean there are, I mean like 30 percent of the globe is constituted of land so this uh, that, that's a first factor or, or first component and the second one would be water so these are two major components uh, physical components if you like that make up a wetland any wetland on earth, yeah? Mm-hmm. So, first land. And so, out of this 30% uh, uh, land cover on earth, on, on planet earth, 
I think the last reference I read, it says like about 6% of the whole earth cover is actually it's wetlands. wetlands. Yeah? Okay. But then that meaning you cannot like simply find wetlands all throughout the world. Uh, but then there are special places with special roles and functions you can find mm-hmm. uh, wetlands. And it is especially uh, prominent in the tropics. Uh, so this is an, an interesting uh, point that maybe we will delve into later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, all right. And um, so, you know, earlier when I was uh, introducing, I said, you know, there's a lot of unappealing names, unfortunately. Uh-huh. So, um, and, and they're like, like we said, mangroves, peatlands, marshes, rivers, you know, all of that, right? How do wetlands actually differ from each other? Yeah, there you go. So f- the first factor, the land. So, you know, uh, what, what constitute or, or what makes a habitat? Normally, we will look at the plants right, that, that mm. grow on, on any habitat. Mm. So for wetlands in particular, um, for plants to grow, they need substrates, right? So this is the component that, that differ uh, different types of, of um, wetlands. Yeah? First, the substrate, the, the soil type. Yeah? And um, so, okay, so you did mention about box, fans, yeah? pitlands, pit swamp, we call it here in Malaysia. And then we have mangroves. So there you go, the range or, or where you can find uh, wetlands can it's a brief i mean from top of the mountains down to coral reefs imagine yeah, yeah. so the range is from mountains to i like to say mountains and mangroves but my my coral reefs friends will be will be angry <laughs> <Not happy. laughs> yeah that's right. so basically it's from mountains to reefs yeah okay. uh, so wetlands you can find like on top of the mountain for example like maybe small lakes or ponds up there uh, so that there's land, there's water, right? Mm-hmm. And then you can see rivers flowing from mountains down to the, to to I mean to to irrigate our land. Yeah, so rivers, riparian uh, uh, areas, and then uh, marshes. So basically, marshes are directly directly tell us that is a wetland, right? Yeah. And then you go down, you can find peat swamp forests, for example, in in our country. And then um, flowing into the estuaries, um, you can find mangrove at the end eh, of the of the channel. So these uh, water flowing from a mountain down to mangrove, they will be purified. They will be cleansed eh, by all of these wetlands before water flows into uh, the the ocean. Yeah, so to meet our friends there, seagrasses, coral reefs, and ultimately the ocean. So. There you go. There's a range of, of different type of, of wetlands that we have in the tropics. But you can also find other types of wetlands in boreal forests, for example. Yeah? In imagine desert. Mm. If you if you if you uh, imagine how dry it is, how arid it is, right? Uh, so but then uh, this is another beauty of nature. I mean life requires water, right? Any living things yeah, require water. So in desert, you have oasis, right? Yeah, yeah so that's a wetland as well. Okay, okay. So there you go. So yeah, I mean like substrate and water, uh, yeah, land and water makes up different type of habitats. Mm-hmm. And then, so different substrate will uh, allow different species of plants to grow. And at the same time, when you have different type of plants, you will have different types of animals, yeah? other creatures living depending on these habitats as well. So there you go, wetlands. Super impressive, super unique, and super okay. interesting. Okay, really, and, and and just you know, so diverse, and there's so much going on, right? And and here in Malaysia, we have uh, 31 out of 42 types of wetlands, right? And that was identified by the Ramsar Convention, and we've got uh, seven, uh, possibly eight soon uh, Ramsar sites. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about you know these places and also the significance of this sort of Ramsar listing? 
All right, good. Um, this is a very in- interesting question because uh, first, wetlands, right? Wetlands, I mean, we can find it, we can see it as a habitat, yeah? or, or maybe some patches, we, we will see that as just a land area, mm. right? So you, you imagine uh, how complicated it is, right? To understand or to manage or to, to understand a, a, a wetland habitat or wetland type. So, uh, but then... Um, there is, uh, I mean, the Ramsar Convention that you mentioned, it is actually a convention on wetlands, um, which is actually one of the first environmental MEAs, if you write, multilateral environmental agreements existed in 1971, right? Yeah. So just a few countries in the beginning, they met in, in Ramsar in Iran. Uh, I think the first was maybe 12 countries. Uh, yeah, we have to double check this. So these countries realised that they are countries uh, have a lot of wetlands, eh? a lot of different types of wetlands. And they felt like these are super important and not just locally in their country, but then uh, it is important internationally. It is globally important. Why? The first uh, key factors of having that meeting was they realised that birds, yeah, migratory birds, depend on their wetlands. Eh? So, so for example, that, that what we know now is this um, uh, transboundary movement of uh, birds yeah, during winter in the northern hemisphere. So s- birds from Siberia, China, Russia, they fly down that south, yeah, I mean, to enjoy summer in Australia, for example. Right? Mm-hmm. So while doing that, while, while migrating, while flying, they rest, yeah, they stop at wetlands all throughout their flyway. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So... Um, I think I've mentioned this before. It is uh, these wetlands are R and R for for these birds, yeah. And for many generations, they have their their favorite uh, pit stop. Yeah, they have their favorite R and R. So this is where it is important to conserve or to protect uh, these wetlands. And then Malaysia joined Ramsar Convention in uh, in nineteen ninety five. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, by nominating Tasik Burra, yeah, the mm. Burra Lake, as the first Ramsar site in Malaysia. Okay, so there you go. So, um, we have many, plenty, uh, uh, different type of wetlands. But then, we have this opportunity now to mark, to list yeah, our wetlands as wetland of international importance through through Ramsar Convention. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't make other wetlands unimportant, right? Uh, so, this is this is a key. And there are, there are issues and there are challenges to list uh, because... As you, uh, as we all understand, in Malaysia, land is a state matter, so the state must have this urge or must have this um, interest, yeah, to to list right. um, their wetlands uh, or, and uh, as a Ramsar site, right. and then following Tasik Burra, okay, Tasik Burra is a is a lake, yeah, it's a freshwater lake. And then, uh, I mean, it is you know, close to Tasik Burra. There are a few other lakes, yeah, with, like Tasik Chini, for example. Tasik Chini is listed as a UNESCO Man and Biosphere Reserve. That's right. So that's another convention that actually oversee wetlands as well, right? And then, um, yeah, I mean, that there used to be some uh, other few water bodies around uh, Tasik Burra and Tasik Chini as well. And then, following um, Tasik Burra, Mangroves go into the picture. Uh-huh. So the next one being listed were Sungai Pulai mangroves in Johor together with Tanjung Piai mangroves and Pulau Kokop. Mm. So three at the same time during, I mean, as, as uh, Malaysia's uh, second, third and fourth Ramsar sites. 
And then later on, I think um, Segama Kinabatangan, Wetlands in Sabah were nominated uh, or, and then listed. And then um, uh, Kuching uh, Wetlands and then followed by the latest one was is Kota Kinabalu. Okay. Wetlands. Okay. So we have seven at the moment, Ramsasai. And uh, if you notice, number one, Tasik Bru was a, a freshwater lake. And then the, the six following were mangroves. Yeah? That's right. And then I, I mean, there are discussions already like by, like, by Sabah State um, authorities that they want to um, nominate and lease uh, Clia's wetlands, for example. Also, uh, another coastal wetlands complex, which is very unique, very interesting. And there are also other discussions like Matang and Kuala Gula stretch right, in Perak. That to me is is very important to be listed because it is already well known for mm. its best management of, of mangroves yeah. and then uh, how it is being preserved for over 100, 200 years because um, as a forest, um, a true forest management system. And if you, if you the, the next trip, you should go to Kuala Sepetang, to, to Taiping, to uh, look at it firsthand, how grand it is, uh, Matang Mangrove, and stretching it to Kuala Gula as well. And Kuala Gula is well known uh, as a stopover for, for migratory birds. Uh, so there you go. This is very important for us to uh, protect this. And then there are others. I think like you, you mentioned 30 plus mm-hmm. uh, types of, of uh, wetlands we have in Malaysia. Um, having said that, uh, what we have here in Malaysia uh, wetlands of different types. Eh? Again, like I, I've already mentioned about lakes, I've mentioned about mangroves, right? So there are areas like seagrasses, like coral reefs that can actually be be recognised and listed as as Ramsar site. And then not just that. Uh, so this is this is another important point that I want to highlight. If you look, uh, if we look at the official definition by Ramsar Convention themselves. Wetland uh, constitute of that different types like marsh, fan, pitland, and uh, and and water bodies basically, yeah? mm-hmm. and they can be uh, natural or artificial. So this is a keyword that I think it is very important for us to understand. Meaning, like what I mentioned earlier, that all seven are natural um, um, habitats, right? Yeah. And then it can be permanent or temporary. Yeah? So this is another thing. So some wetlands can be like really watery in a period eh, within a year and it can be dry for, mm. for uh, the, the other half of the pe- period. So that is still eh, recognised as a, a wetland. And then there is uh, an extension to the definition. The water can be static and flowing, uh, or flowing, sorry, and it can be fresh, brackish and salt. Uh, so mm. we have all of these. Mm-hmm. We have areas with, with uh, I mean, static water of, uh, and we have areas with flowing water and fresh, brackish salt. So this is where the, the rivers coming from land, yeah, from mountains, from, from highlands, uh, are fresh water. And then many lakes and ponds on land are, are, are fresh water. And then when they when they merge or when they mix with salt water a little bit, they become brackish. So you have Nipah forest, for example, yeah. And then entering mangrove, yeah, mainly uh, brackish to to saline. And then there you go. You have a salty area that includes area of marine water of which at low tide does not exceed six meters. So meaning if um, during low tide the area. I mean, the depth of the area is less than six meter. Then that includes coral reef, yeah, um, uh, polycape reefs. These are all wetlands. Okay. So you see the range is super huge, and we have the opportunity. We have plenty of them all around our That's country. Amazing. So, so it's not just. Um, I mean, the, the aim shouldn't be just listing it for Ramsar Convention. The more important thing is 
for us to realize that we have these a different habitats that play very important roles f- for not just nature but for humans. Mm-hmm. So we can we can go into that uh, in a little bit detail later. Yeah, and, I, and that's definitely what we're going to talk about. But let's just go for a quick break, uh, Dr. Aldri. Uh, and when we come back, let's talk about, you know, the, how few people actually know, you know, about the sort of um, essential services that uh, wetlands provide. I'm speaking today to Dr. Ahmad Aldri Amir. He's a Senior Lecturer and Research Fellow at the Institute for Environment and Development at Lestari, or Lestari UKM. He's also the coordinator of the Malaysian Mangrove Research Alliance and Network My Mangrove. It's World Wetlands Day on the 2nd of February, so we're talking all things wetlands today. We'll have more after this quick break. Keep it right here on Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. It's World Wetlands Day on the 2nd of February. The theme for this year is It's Time for Wetlands Restoration. And we're talking today all things wetlands with Dr. Ahmad Aldri Amer. He's a Senior Lecturer and Research Fellow at the Institute for Environment and Development uh, at UKM, Lestari UKM. He's also the coordinator of the Malaysian Mangrove Research Alliance and Network, or My Mangrove. He's my go-to guy for everything mangrove related, but he is, of course, an expert in all things wetlands related. So he's joining us to share more about how important wetlands are. So that is something that we want to talk about now, uh, Dr. Aldri. Uh, I think few people actually realise the sort of range of products and services, right, that freshwater habitats like wetlands provide. Can you help elaborate on some of the functions and the sort of essential services that they provide? Yeah, so imagine our body, yeah, human body, we have this one organ that is super important. I mean, all organs in our bodies are important, but yeah. then, I mean, focusing on kidney, right? So kidney... Uh, does a very important job for human bodies. Eh? It cleans yeah, basically our body. So this is the role played by wetlands all throughout the world, yeah? it, regardless of their types, regardless of, of uh, whatever plants or, 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 or animals living in this wetland. So like I told you earlier, like water, flowing water, for example, it passed through different or several habitats which play that role. Yeah? Plants in wetlands, they are called hydrophytes, meaning they can tolerate high amount of water. Or maybe some of them prefer yeah, to live in this watery, I mean, um, high amount of water area. Yeah? Mm. And But then, uh, special for, for brackish and salt uh, habitat, like mangroves, sea grasses, they are called halophytes because they have to uh, tolerate salt water. Right. All right. So, being hydrophytes, they don't just absorb or, or uptake um, and, uh, water, they uptake nutrients and at the same time, pollutants. Mm. I mean, yeah. So, na- natural pollutants. And then, not just plants, and they have creatures, other creatures, animals, like molas, bivalves. Yeah? They also, these are um, uh, filter feeders, we call them, right? So, they, they feed on nutrients and at the same time, pollutants. Right? So this actually keeps uh, the balance. Okay, so you imagine water flowing from 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 the highlands, right? So water, I mean, I mean, uh, the rivers meander, right? Mm. So while doing that, they carry. Yeah? I mean, the water actually, the river actually carry water filled with silt, yeah, terrigenous silt, and and minerals, and sometimes carry rocks and stuff, and then. While flowing, they have other wetland habitats that filter this yeah, naturally. Okay. So imagine the amount of uh, natural nutrients and, and natural pollutants absorbed by these different habitats. I mean, from riparian wetlands to mangrove to seagrass, yeah. And then, and then you get fresh or clean water or clean system. Basically, the whole system is 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 like uh, balanced, right? Yeah. So the problem is when we, human especially, 
put in yeah extra load to the river for example yeah we we put in man-made pollutant effluents yeah, into the river and then at the same time we clear or we cut or, or, or we we destroy uh, a lot of other wetlands so you can imagine right the pollutants now x plus a mm. and the remedy the habitats that are doing this mediating uh, um, role y minus b for example so you we have this imbalance already yeah, right so yeah. so this is where we need to protect i mean uh, whatever have left and then to fix that that imbalance formula so that's one major uh, when we speak about wetlands that will be the first important role that they play but other roles are super important too so if we can like break them into the functions or the benefits uh, through ecosystem services classification yeah mm. so they produce yeah they, they they provide food they provide uh, habitat in fact the first supporting role is to provide habitat for plants and animals and uh, secondly pro- i mean the provisioning role would be to provide food for example yeah and uh, i mean thinking of it I mean, let, let's think of how indigenous communities in Tasik Beru, in Tasik Chini, for example, first set their villages, for example, or stop being nomadic, for example, right? And also learn about past human civilizations. Mm. Many of them, majority of them, in fact, started off near or closer, very close to these water bodies, right? So we actually learn in history, like um, civilizations or small villages, towns, they depend on water for for first transportation maybe and for i mean for drinking for uh, for sure and then for other purposes as well so they set many villages are set closer to maybe delta area estuarine area eh, close to river for these purposes so they get their fish from the from the rivers eh, from the ocean eh, from the mangroves and then um of course other foods from the plants yeah and okay that that's provisioning and this is the same this works the same for animals as well so special animals will choose uh, different wetlands and and what's more interesting about provisioning is that and and biodiversity of uh, animals we can have both marine or, or aquatic animals and terrestrial animals merging converging in wetlands mm. so that contributes to high biodiversity already right? it attracts basically yeah? when you have water when you have like healthy fresh area yeah? uh, with water and other resources it naturally attracts so that is the provisioning role the regulating role is is the one that i mentioned earlier um, about about them being um, the important bioremedy for pollutions and then other than that like for example especially for coastal wetlands right they prevent erosion for example they protect land area from extreme or hazardous um, uh, oceanic disasters yeah mm-hmm. and at the same time they they control flood oh this is important this is not just coastal wetlands but as well as terrestrial wetlands yeah? so they absorb So imagine kidney, and uh, kidney. Yeah, they they are known as kidney of the earth. Yeah, I mean uh, generally for to, throughout the world because wetlands can also be found in in outside the tropics. So they basically are very important for absorption. So imagine sponge, right? Dried sponge, right? So they they are very like rough, and then if you put in water, they they will like expand a little bit and keep the water nice. except for i mean like if you have overflow of water then it will it will it will overflows but it will overflow but then yeah so this is the role they play so at the, while while i mean 
entering dry period, for example, in some areas in the world. Mm-hmm. So this is where the source of the water. So it can be found underground, yeah. Uh, it can be actually on the surface as well, and it actually regulates water cycle. So this amount of water being kept in wetlands actually regulate. For example, um, rain system, yeah, precipitation system, it provides, um, it, it controls basically. So the more wetlands we have, the better the regulation of water, for example. Mm. And that also includes, I mean, now we are talking about climate change and we know some of the impacts or effects yeah, of, of climate change. And this actually helps yeah, by protecting wetlands. We, we actually help uh, to, to uh, mitigate in the first place. And at the same time, we have to prepare to adapt yeah, to the intensity or, or the increasing magnitude of the impacts of, of, of disasters yeah, yeah. brought by both natural and anthropogenic disasters that make up climate change. Yeah. And then finally is the sociocultural role played by wetlands in general. So, like, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, many we go to beaches, for example, we go to coral reef to snorkel, to dive, we we go to to uh, yeah, in fact, to the coastal area to look at sunset, right? Yeah, so these yeah. these are all also uh, um, values played by wetlands, yeah. yeah. If you like seafood, you will go to coastal villages, yeah, coastal town to enjoy seafood. So these. These are all attraction, like natural attraction, natural importance of of wetlands, yeah, in general, mm-hmm. um, yeah, regardless of the types. Again, okay. yeah, yeah. You know, just wanted to uh, hone in on something you mentioned about the biodiversity. I mean, I remember when you always talk about mangroves, you always talk about the intertidal zones and the kind of mm-hmm. magic that happens in these places, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And they are well, some of the uh, wetlands are the most biologically diverse ecosystems, right? As we as you alluded to wide range of flora and fauna. I mean, can you talk to us about the biodiversity contained in wetlands? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I mentioned earlier, I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, I've read somewhere that, that like, like, although it's like just 6% of earth cover, yeah. but then wetlands uh, cumulatively holds over 40% of total species in the world. So imagine like that small 6% yeah. of wetlands on earth yeah, uh, holds over 40% of species, plants and animals, right? That's huge, right? Yeah, yeah. So that, like I told you earlier, because it, it converges both um, a kingdom, right? Animal and plants. And not just that, we can find other creatures like fungus, like like microbacteria, like microorganisms, yeah, bacteria and whatnot. So a lot of things mm-hmm. depend and live in in in, in uh, wetlands. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, and then, um, yeah, so... So yeah, that actually contributes to the high amount of biodiversity, and when when you have high amount of biodiversity, at the same time it translates into resources, right? So it can become food. Yeah, if you if we use it sustainably, if we use it wisely, and this is the mantra, if you like, of of Ramsar Convention: wise use. It doesn't promote like total protection that a stop humans or, or communities from using it is actually promoting wise use of these resources. Mm. So Sustainable use. Sustainable use of, of uh, resources. So that's the aim of, of Ramsar Convention. Okay. And do you want to speak about, about Ramsar Convention and, and how, how that uh, affects our communities or management of yes, resources? Sure, sure. Yes, sure. Yeah, so this is, this is a thing about um, multilateral environmental agreements, especially for Ramsar Convention because if you notice, it is actually just a listing. Mm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So, it, we, I mean, it depends on the, the country and especially the state. In Malaysia, it is a state that regulate any illegal or laws 
pertaining to land, right? So there you go. So even if we uh, list a wetland as Ramsar site, yeah, uh, it is uh, the advantage would be we are known internationally, not not just to highlight that it is uh, globally important for for nature, but it is now we are well known yeah, in global eyes. And that has has a very good impact to, to our economy, for example, and and, and then to our uh, I mean perception for the country as well. That's one, but then it's just a listing. So what's more important is that we we regulate it. We have laws, or or, or we ha- we must have uh, some legal tools yeah, to protect this area for the roles, for the benefits, and for the functions that they play. Mm-hmm. So just listing and not really enforcing or not really protecting them is wouldn't wouldn't be good, right? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't make sense, right? Yeah. So so this is important. So states yeah, must. Uh, we have to really understand the the important roles that that these uh, wetlands uh, play. And then quantify it. I mean, like, put a, uh, give a priority to them, to these wetlands, for the role that they play, custom services that provide, and how human depends on this uh, for protection, yeah, and, and more. And then lease them as a Ramsar site to further strengthen. Yeah, it, because it, there's no, I mean, uh, Ramsar Convention promotes wise use like I mentioned but then regulating is the job of a, of a state yeah. so this is where I want to actually highlight for example so even if before we nominated as a, as a Ramsar site we we have so many actually legal tools we have we can turn a wetland into a forest reserve yeah but then of course forested area or we can turn it into a state park uh, Johor is a good example Sungai Pulai Mangroves is a forest reserve it is a Ramsar site mm. and, but then Pulau Kukup and Tanjung Piai are uh, Johor National Parks yeah? um, uh, and they are uh, also Ramsar sites mm. so you see two different um, uh, management system okay. managing Ramsar site well Tasik Buru is actually a co- uh, 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 is is managed through collaboration, but then led by um, the, the wildlife department, yeah? the wildlife and national park department. So you see, and and in Sabah is different. Uh, KK Wetlands, for example, is managed by an NGO, and yeah, Kinabatangan Segama is managed by forestry department. And then, yeah, so different different wetlands, uh, different Ramsar sites can be managed in, in many ways. Okay. But then the more important thing is not to neglect that wise use uh, part. So I'd like to, to, to mention here about Setiu wetlands in Terengganu. Mm. So they, they've, uh, the Terengganu state government uh, already gazetted a, a part of Setiu wetlands as, as Terengganu State Park. And the, the unique thing about Terengganu State Park is that they identify local communities that have been using this wetland for many generations already yeah. and they allow special permit for them to enter to like, I mean, you know, like get their resources, for example, crabs, I mean, uh, seafood. seafood yeah? But right. not, of course, not cutting the whole forest or clearing the area. So this recognition is important and this actually get people to support the idea of protection. Mm. You know, I mean, strict enforcement like um, or, or strict regulation like for a reserve, right? So of course, 
these forests are, are very important for their role. But then, if we gazetted it as a forest reserve, then uh, communities cannot enter by right. They have to ask for permit, of course. But then, they cannot simply enter right to to for for their own to get their own. I mean, I mean, uh, livelihoods or subsistence. So there you go. So we have the choice actually. We have the choice to consider um, uh, participation or to include communities. Otherwise. It will defeat the purpose of of protecting for wise use eh? or, or conserving for wise use. Mm-hmm. So these are some of the issues or, or some of the components that need to be discussed. So you know, I mean, from from the definition now to the legal issues, wide range of issues uh, concerning wetlands actually. So and we need a lot of people to brainstorm and to solve all the issues. Okay, all right. So yes, a lot of brainstorming needed, and a lot I think you know a lot of. Um we need to give it a lot more recognition. We need to give it the recognition that it's due. Um, we've just run out of time for today, Dr. Aldri, but, you know, we are going to have a second part where we're going to talk about the threats uh, to wetlands, you know, especially here in Malaysia. You know, we're also going to continue that talk about, you know, how we can actually um, protect the wetlands that we have, you know, not just restoration, but, you know, full protection of the wetlands that we have. That's going to come up in our second episode, uh, you know, in our World Wetlands Day 2023 special. It's time for wetlands restoration. So, um, you know, do look out for that. You know, we will the podcast together. Uh, but for now, you know, my thanks to Dr. Ahmad Aldri Amir, Senior Lecturer and Research Fellow at the Institute for Environment and Development, Lestari UKM, and the Coordinator of the Malaysian Mangrove Research Alliance and Network, My Mangrove. We'll be back next week with more Keep It Right Here on Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.